Welcome to the Gaudium et Spes podcast, where every other week we bring you Catholic teachings and stories of faith from people throughout the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. Now, here are your hosts, Suzanne McNinch and Ches Filippini. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Ches and I are in the studio today, um, and we have two wonderful guests with us. We have Sean and Kathy Salamita, who, um, if you didn't see, were featured in our Catholic Compass back in the November-December 2018 edition, so check that out as well. And if you haven't seen our last podcast, please tune into that. It was one of the best we've had so far, in my opinion. We had uh, Bishop Bill and Dr. Mary Soha talk about the um, Martyrs of La Florida. So please, that was an excellent, excellent episode. Well, Sean and Kathy, it's great to have you here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. (laughs) Very good. It's a pleasure. We've known, uh, I've known Sean and Kathy for a while now. They're St. Thomas More parishioners here in in, uh, Pensacola and just Gracious of you to give us our time, uh, your time. And uh, so we start out here with a little icebreaker. We introduce with the first line of the document we're named after, Gaudium et Spes, which goes, if I can remember, um, the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the, men, of the men of this age, especially those who are poor or in any way afflicted. These are the joys of the hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. So you guys are definitely followers of Christ, who have a lot of <laughs> ups try. and downs. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's going on in your lives? Joys, hopes, griefs, anxieties, anything? Um, well, we had joys, hopes, griefs, and anxieties all in one weekend recently, where um, we'll probably talk about later. I have 10 adopted siblings. We're all adults now. And for the second year, we had a sibling, uh, kind of a sibling reunion. Okay. Si- no kids, siblings and, uh, uh, and spouses only. Hmm. And so we got together in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, our first time there, and it was a blast, and we prayed, and we cried, and we talked, and we had fun. Um, so Sang a lot lo- of country music. Oh, we belted out some country music. There were two hot tubs at the Airbnb we stayed, so uh, we, we just had a good time because we're all, we're all still real close. Um, I won't lie and say we all get along flawlessly because we are adults with different personalities. Um, but that's why we get together is to maintain that sibling bond. And, uh, and we had a blast. There was, so there was a lot of joy. Um, Kathy organized the whole thing. So she got to so have, I'll the- take the sorrow part. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like 11, cats. 11 siblings altogether. One who's passed on seven of them are adopted. And, um, Trying to get them all into the same place is like hurting goldfish. <laughs> Last year, we spontaneously went on a cruise with eight of the siblings and a couple spouses and Father Nick from St. Thomas More because you bring good Catholics on a ship, they immediately say, what are we going to do for Mass? So we brought Father Nick with us. And this year, um, we went to the cabin. So the idea was their parents are in their 80s now and starting to have some health issues and there's 63 or four grandchildren Mm. and the idea was to get the adults together to just continue to bond or Mm. rebond basically um, as adults and be there for one another in our lives so it was easier to get everybody on a ship last year because they had to be there at one time. <laughs> this year was pretty stressful because of just the dynamic, but it ended up being amazing. We had California, Virginia, New York, Florida all covered and had a blast. It was amazing. 
I'm sure you're not the only spouse in. So, how did do you just like draw short straws? Like whoever draws a short straw gets appointed trip coordinator. I don't know. That sounds I, difficult. I, it just seems to be my. It comes natural. For uh, yeah, uh, it's it's something I've done for our family. Just tried to create experiences. Um, so that's what I've tried to do is just draw all the adults together so we could I think we've all gone our own ways and have so many children that we forget to hmm. really know what's going on with one another. Mm-hmm. And there's things that are going on with one another that we don't know about that we can be supporting each other through. But because mm-hmm. we don't see each other that often when we do, it's kind of gloss over. It's all about the kids or it's all about mom and dad. And so it's the past year has been really fruitful to kind of dig deep into what we're each going through and, and be there for one another, like I said, as adults. So. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. What's going on? Well, I've been blessed. I had my son home two weeks ago for the weekend, and then my daughter was just home this last weekend. So, you know, back. it's yeah, it's kind of nice, and it's just them individually coming home so they get you know mom and dad singular attention on them so it was um it was it was really neat i i mean i just feel so um joyful because of all of that and then you know and then i think about what's going on in the world and you know then i realize gosh all these abundant blessings that god has really bestowed on um on me and you know, those of us that are probably in the room here today, I think we can all probably say that. And, um, you know, our hearts and thoughts go out to those, um, you know, over in um, Israel right now with everything that's going on. So um, continuous prayers for, for everybody over there. So. Mm-hmm. Sure. How about you? How's the termites? Oh, gosh. Don't, don't ask questions about that. <laughs> We're just about done. At this point in time, at the time of recording, there is... Uh, Basically everything in place. Our door for our doors in, our windows are in. All the new wood is up and stuff like that. The guy's been great, so so that's uh, coming to an end. Good. A joy so far. Speaking of the the martyrs podcast, mm-hmm. being over there before we recorded last time, we hadn't done the beatification close diocesan phase. But man, being over there, um, Kenobi and Derek, our our communications team was also over there. It was a powerful experience. It was mm-hmm. one of those special liturgies I've ever been to, um, especially at the end. We did the prayer after communion, and then all these priests come up who have been part of the process, and they basically swear on the scriptures that everything they've done in this diocesan phase, have they done their best of their abilities to promote this cause in fidelity. And uh, there was, you know, lots of Latin phrases and signing and stuff like that. So it was cool. It was wow. really special. A lot of amazing people over there. Um, and, yeah, my main anxiety right now at the time of recording tomorrow is FSU Duke. Um, my son, John Paul, and I are going over the game, and I'm freaking out about parking. So I'm just oh, like, boy. where am I going to park? I'm not a student anymore who can just walk across campus back to his dorm or his apartment. And, <laughs> Uh, so, not yeah. worried about not being victorious? No, I mean, I've let that go at this point in time. Okay. If it's going to be a great experience no matter what the result is, I okay. think. I think. Um, but, yeah, I'm just like, how can we not walk four miles there and back from the stadium is pretty much my anxiety right now. So I'll let you know what happens, guys. We'll see okay. what happens. Well, great. Well, let's get to know Kathy let's and uh, Sean a little bit more. So um, we'll, we'll just let's start out um, learning a little bit about you. Um, tell us where you grew up and uh, what your childhood was like, and then what ultimately led you down here to Florida. All right. I'll kick us off. Okay. Um, so we're both from upstate New York, right outside of Rochester, a kind of rural area called Wayne County. Um, 
didn't meet each other until senior year of high school, although we lived just a few miles away, as mm-hmm. it turned out. Um, I'm from a pretty, pretty big family, as, as we alluded to, 10 brothers and sisters, seven adopted. And um, I transferred to the local um, uh, I had been to Catholic schools all through kindergarten, all through 11th grade, and then I transferred to the local public high school my senior year, and that's where I met Kathy. I was on the basketball team. She was the cheerleading captain, <laughs> and um, we just kind of uh, fell in love pretty quick. Um, and uh, once she met my family, I think she she's from a small family. I'll let her talk about but. Uh, she thought my family was pretty special and my family just kind of took her in and um, she just felt right at home from the start. And uh, we both ended up graduating from Franciscan University, um, co- took kind of different paths to get there. Um, the first, because she was originally actually uh, accepted at UCF. So we were going to have, a, we knew we were going to start out long distance dating. So she was at UCF, I was at Franciscan. And she ended up going to a couple different schools before junior year, coming to Franciscan. So we were there for two years together. Tried to get established back in Rochester, but, um, you know, God just opened a door to come to Florida. Um, I had a job opportunity and got accepted in grad school um, within the same week down in Daytona. So so we moved to Daytona Beach, and we were there for um, 14 years, raised four children there. Great town, Port Orange. And then, again, God opened a door, uh, a job opportunity for me in Gainesville. So we were in Gainesville for five years. Um, That's where we felt a call to adopt, so we adopted two kids. Um, And then God led us to Pensacola, and we've been in Pensacola for, I think, nine years now. Um, and so that's kind of our path. And I always, I always tell my kids, if you just open your heart to God and let him lead you and you take steps in faith, you can't imagine where you're going to be and what he's going to do with your life. If you told me that I would be living in Pensacola, Florida, first of all, I probably couldn't <laughs> find Florida. it on a map or Florida in general. Um, I would have thought you were crazy, but God just does amazing things when you open your heart to him and, and, and um, kind of give yourself over to his will. Indeed. Yeah. Did I miss anything on? No, that's <laughs> perfect. I think, I think. My life, not so perfect, but it is now. <laughs> is Florida your favorite spot yes. we've been? I Pensacola. mean, is Pensacola? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the exact opposite of that. One of three. I have two older brothers, um, one who's passed on. Um, child of a messy divorce Um, and my mom remarried my stepfather was probably just my biggest source of stability Um, my mom always took us to church when we were young but um, my stepfather coming into the picture he was Methodist and just and I was the only one at home so he really gave me a foundation of not letting me use things of the past as an excuse and just that consistency. So when I met Sean um, senior year, I was very much in a place of kind of searching and figuring out my, I wasn't like 
really trying to figure out my faith, but at the same time, I knew it was important. So I was kind of open to whatever. So when I met him and he introduced me to the Catholic Church, it just really intrigued me right away. Mm-hmm. And his family blew me away. And to be a part of something of that like that was really beautiful. Um, so then I spent my first two years of college. I thought I was going to go to UCF, and it was kind of a train wreck. So I just worked and went to school and ended up at a state school in New York, whatever the closest one I could find that I could get to Franciscan on the weekends mm-hmm. if I could borrow a car. <laughs> That's what I picked. And it was drive. like party school. Um six hours from Franciscan, and that's where I went through RCIA and came into the church in this tiny little chapel, and it was just a crazy experience, but I'm so grateful for it, and ended up at Franciscan six months later. Wow. And then we got married a week after we graduated from Franciscan. (laughs) So it's a crazy journey, but it's I wouldn't trade it for anything, so... So we didn't even. I don't, did we ever mention this podcast is about adoption and the call to adoption? And so, <laughs> yes. it, but so um, y'all mentioned your story coming down here, having four kids of your own, biological children, and and then at some point in time, this I don't know if you could describe it. Was it a um, as people of prayer and Christians was it kind of like a divine call? Was it kind of like a an immediate like a need based? discernment or what what was the process of making that leap like for you guys i always thought i mean it was always a discussion because Mm. of his family i always thought we would save a baby from abortion okay Mm. that's kind of what i had in my head for years but it was sean's line of work and his family so you can take over from there but i'll just put like my initial response that's what i thought Mm. yeah so with the with the upbringing i had um, I'm, I'm a, one of the biological children in my family. So seeing my parents adopt seven children, all from, you know, very challenging backgrounds and see how the family came together and, um, just the miracle of adoption for my siblings. Um, it kind of led me toward the human services field and wanting to kind of help people in some way. Um, and so <clears throat> I graduated with a degree in, in mental health and human services and I started working in children's mental health, and then then I got into working in child welfare. So I spent about 20 years working in the um, in the child welfare system. Florida's privatized their system, meaning that the actual casework and the foster care recruitment and support adoption services for children in the foster care system are all delivered through private organizations. So. Um, so I worked in three organizations, Daytona, Gainesville, and Pensacola. Um, and through that, I got to know the, um, first of all, the scope of need for children that um, were in foster care and couldn't return to their homes, their biological parents. They couldn't, uh, no relative was identified, so they needed a new home and a new family. So <clears throat> between what I witnessed growing up and then working for 20 years in that in that industry, um, uh, I felt like there's some possibility that we would adopt kids from foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I, when I talk about God opening doors, I know Kathy and I have to be in sync on something before we step through it. Mm-hmm. Like if I think something's a good idea or opportunity, but it's not kind of confirmed with Kathy feeling the same way, um, then we hold off. 
So what happened, what led us to adopt is I was sitting down with a friend in, uh, in Gainesville. He, was a, he ran a, a counseling agency. And uh, we got together you know, for lunch every couple of months. And he just told me about these adorable kids that were so sweet and they had been through a lot um, and they were uh, needing an adoptive family. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that was my work. So I, I kind of heard that a lot. Um, but then he sent me a picture of them. <laughs> and then I sent the picture to Kathy. And that was the confirmation <laughs> when, uh, where she said, well, can you find out more? Like, what, what's their story? What, 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 um, what's their story? What, what do they need? Um, and so I started to ask and get a little information, and we took kind of one step at a time. And, um, you know, throughout the whole process, we were completely in sync. And um, it was nerve-wracking, as it is, dealing with the, the child welfare system. Um, but ultimately, um, they were placed with us, and we adopted them. It's do we just hit 10 years or 11? Well, actually, tomorrow is 12 years. Of, 12. So oh will gosh. be our 12-year gotcha day. Wow. Mm. Gotcha day. Is that an official term in the... Uh... Yes, it is. That is when they replaced with us. Yeah, for adoptive oh, family gotcha day. It was 12 years ago today we met them for the first time, face-to-face. Oh, -face. That's, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. If, so. Just real quick, if you... I mean. I know we can't go through every single step. My wife um, was an adoption social worker for Catholic Charities up in Arlington. But prior to that, I had zero idea what I thought it was like. You want a child, you're open to it, paperwork happens, baby comes home or child comes home or something like that. I learned very quickly, not that simple. Right. Um, yeah. home, home visits and all these meetings and potential, you know, like what are you, how's your planning? Anyhow, so I don't know if you can just talk us through maybe that process itself, like in a, in a Cliff's Notes version, what is it like to adopt? How do you get to the to the gotcha day after discerning like we want to go that way? Uh, yeah, so I'll mainly speak from the standpoint of adoption from foster care. There's other, there's private adoptions, there's international mm -hmm. adoptions, and I think there's similarities in every case. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, one of the first things that needs to happen to adopt from foster care is you need a home study. And that's probably what you're referring to, right. that, of course, the state has to make sure that you are a good and nurturing and safe family to adopt. So it is pretty thorough. I mean, they even inter inter interviewed our kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so and we had to go to training. Um, there's a there's a required training. And uh, you have to have patience. You have to wait. Um, when it comes to kids in foster care, there are, uh, there are typically a lot of different avenues that their life or their case can take. The, the state is required to search for relatives. Mm -hmm. So they do a diligent search for relatives. And they might, may find a relative in another state that they didn't even know these kids existed, but because of the family connection, there's a federal requirement. You have to explore that, that option. So, and we went through that process too, of having to wait and, and be patient and get updates that, well, they found a family, this relative stepped forward. Um, and as Kathy said, she, she kind of fell in love. We fell in love when we saw the picture for the first time. So you feel instant attachment 
And then you have to go through the process and have patience. And that's where prayer um, and support is is so important. And you have to be open to God's will. And that's ultimately what it came to for us is, um, you know, this may happen, this may not happen. It's all in God's hands. Uh, but there is a process um, that you have to go through. And ultimately, a judge has to decide, right. declare, order, okay, this child is now legally part of this family because all of those, you know, processes have played out that are, again, state and federal requirements. So it does take a lot of patience, uh, but praise God, it, um, it worked out for us. And in our case, it was a little bit intricate because the kids that we adopted were in Sean's system. So we had oh, wow. to go to a different area to have for our courses so that it, you know, to follow all the rules, which was fine for the courses and things like that. But then when it, you know, we got down to the nitty gritty and things like that, you know, they'd been in foster care almost four years, 10 different placements. And um, Mm -hmm. of course, a family member did come out of the woodwork. um, So that was stressful. And we ended up writing a letter to him you know, explaining kind of what we had to offer, um, which was beautiful because he ended up giving his consent um, to to bow out. But it was stressful because talking about the judging judges' orders and things like that, I had to stand in the courtroom by myself. Sean oh, wow. couldn't be there because mm-hmm. we were just trying to follow all the guidelines of it not being about the president of the agency adopting these kids. And um, it was a... It was an emotional time because you have to be willing to fight and do anything because in your heart they're already your kids, but at the same time, um, it may not be what the court says or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah. I'll never forget the moment that our best friends were holding me up, and <laughs> he said, "Expedite this adoption." Oh, <laughs> and wow. our caseworker was amazing and worked through Good Friday and everything to get everything done. And so. Wow. Wow, that's great. Now, you had four children at home at the time. So how did you talk to them about the fact that you wanted to adopt these two beautiful children and bring them into your home and have them as I think we showed them the picture. (laughs) (laughs) They were super cute. So so our four kids were 12 to 18 at the time. So they were kind of, we thought if we're going to do this, this is a good time because we've just kind of gotten these four this far, and so this is a good time. And so they were at an age where they could understand what this mm-hmm. meant, and they, they were excited and, um, uh, you know, supportive from day one. It's incredible. Yes. Wow. Okay. As they come home on Gotcha Day, um, just like, here's your room, guys. Dinner's at 6. Welcome to the family, you know, and then life was perfect after that, I'm assuming. Wasn't perfect that day. <laughs> the day that we got them, my stepfather passed away. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And I had to act like that wasn't going on. Okay. So it was, it was welcome them to the family, and the next day, go say goodbye to him. So it was, um, but because of the faith that he instilled in me and the faith that has sustained us through this whole journey, Again, my girlfriend that was holding us, you know, holding on to me that day, she just held on to me the day that I was trying to act like, welcome to the family and this is happening. Um, she 
she talked to me about how I was nine years old when he became my stepfather and Kateri was nine at the time. And I, she was talking to me and I just said, he's, he's got to lift me up from beyond Mm -hmm. (laughs) to have the strength to do this. And I'm going to do for her what he did for me. And, um, so beyond that, yeah, it was perfect. Everything was great. <laughs> After that, no problems. Oh, well, you know, to that to that question, um, as I said, they were five and nine. They're siblings, okay. mm-hmm. um, biological siblings. They were five and nine, and um, something I think that it took me a, a years to really realize and let this sink in is. When you adopt, you think that's the first day of that child's life, mm-hmm. uh, right? And so it took me time to realize they had an identity. They had an experience. They had a, some semblance of a family mm-hmm. for five and nine years before they came to us. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, so for example, the food we ate. They didn't necessarily like the food that we commonly <laughs> had at dinner. Or um, know how to eat it. Uh, the rules we had, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things like bedtime and, you know, uh, chores and things like that. <laughs> so uh, so that adaptation process, especially, you know, if, if they've been through a lot of trauma uh, as, as kids in foster care typically have, um, it has it has an effect, mm-hmm. and so um, I think we we might have started out thinking that, well, we raise these four, so we'll raise these two the same exact way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. You have to understand um, the past, the history that they've had. They're they're different individuals, and you have to respond. And there's some give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, so you know there were there were definitely challenges with that, um, but overall, uh, the kids all got along. You know the the extended family, um, especially with my background with right. with the adopted kids we had uh, in my family, everyone just immediately uh, just kind of took to them and loved on them, and and uh, so uh, so it was. You know, joys and anxieties at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You all had, you know, clearly being given your story already, activated, prayerful Christian Catholics. Um, I'm assuming you'd raised your four biological children and like transmitted the faith to them. I know I've met some of them. I know they're they're pretty mm-hmm. plugged in and pretty on. <laughs> um, they they love the Lord. Um, how's transmitting the faith um, to adoptive? Uh, to non-biological children is that a whole different kettle of fish or is it kind of like you're part of the team salamita now so we'll see we'll bring it a mass on sundays and mm-hmm. bring it up the same way that's pretty much what we did um you know and they they were pretty receptive to it i think partially because the older kids just treated them like they belonged so um so they were receptive to it i think yeah, and and I was just thinking one of the things that I think they really loved was being baptized and having godparents. Mm-hmm. Like they thought it was pretty special that they had godparents. They had these two, adu- you know, what's a godparent? Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to pray for you and they're going to, um, you know, give you special 
love and attention and they're going to they thought that was pretty neat yeah mm-hmm. um and to this day our kids our adopted kids talk about their godparents mm. yeah special wow yeah. well adopting children at an older age obviously they knew that you were not their biological parents unlike uh, adopting an infant who can grow up thinking that mm-hmm. you know those are their biological parents um at at any stage have they you know been curious to know a little bit more about where they came from their culture their heritage and if so how did you help them along in that journey in the process yeah yeah and sean's seen that with his adopted siblings mm-hmm. some have wanted to know you know the foundation some have just been fine knowing where you know where they came from and what they have now with r2 they definitely have different memories of their life before and there's still things that we'll just never understand um for our daughter she has wanted to know that and now she's 21 so she's gone back and sought some of that out and for jerry um he doesn't seem to have that desire to. He just, he has fewer memories and, um, but he, he understands the history of it and just has a different way of looking at where he is now and where he was then. Mm-hmm. So it's been a journey to handle that with both of them. But um, I kind of always knew Kateri would be the one to want to go back and figure it out. And maybe Jerry will someday, you know, someday too when he's on his own. But um, like I said, with Sean's siblings, we've seen the same thing. Mm-hmm. So they you never know. You kind of take it situation by situation. Certainly. Yeah, my, my opinion on that is that um, there's a natural connection that children have to their parents that I think is woven into creation by God, that um, there's a bond. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what you've been through, um, kids have this desire or this connect this kind of connection to their biological mother and father and um and on a case-by-case basis i think you just just need to be sensitive to that Mm -hmm. in their case first for the reasons of their own safety we couldn't allow communication we couldn't allow visits we couldn't allow contact we just couldn't Um, but once kateri got to a certain age um you know, she felt, I'm ready to go and, you know, because she remembers. She has mm-hmm. good memories mm-hmm. of her dad. Mm-hmm. Okay. they to, to, to a lot of people, it might be, that's not our standard of what constitutes a good memory. But, um, you know, she, she has good memories of her dad. And mm-hmm. so we were uh, very supportive when she reached a certain age to have that contact. Um, and so I guess my point is you, you can never completely discount, no matter what occurred in the past, you can never completely discount the, the connection that kids have with their biological parents. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you all um, the impact on you guys. One of the one of the beautiful things for a Christian is we're, we're all adopted in baptism. You know, like a Christian is an adopted son or daughter of, of, of God and through baptism. Um, and to, to think about that and sit with that doesn't happen very often for most people. I'm assuming maybe 
your walk with God has changed in being adoptive parents and how has it impacted your faith, your uh, your prayer life, how you guys connect as a couple and, and, and walk with each other as a couple, as a married couple? Any any kind of insight on that and what, what it, it's done for you guys personally? We've had to dig deep, for sure, <laughs> um, and make sure that we've put time for each other um, because it's easy to get caught up in all the stuff that's going on. Um, and we have been very, very blessed by just a community in Gainesville and now here where we've had a lot of support in that for sure. You know, it's not, you don't get these kids and then they're just like grateful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this life is great. The counselor met our boys, um, Hannah was, I don't know if she was already in college, but the counselor very early on to me, their counselor said, um, you know, your kids, your biological kids are great. These kids will never understand that. They will become a part of it. But for your biological kids to be in a room where, um, you know, you're praying and laughing and talking, that's natural to them. If you put them in a room with people that are arguing, that's foreign to them and they won't know it. So for your two adopted kids, putting them in a room where there's praying and laughing and talking is foreign and they will fight it. They will fight against it. Everything in them will fight against it. And, you know, and we have been through that, but um, it takes that communication and laughter and prayer to stay the course and, um, and get them through and continue to remind them that, we're their family now, you know, despite where they came from. So, and we still fight that, you know, mm. even with them being 17 and 21, there's still very natural instincts for them to not see us as their family. Right. Um, it's just something they'll continue to process forever. And we just continue to be there for them. And as far as being adopted children of God, anytime I <clears throat> whine or complain about how, um, Anytime I would feel sorry for myself about how the kids were not thankful for everything they have or maybe um, uh, not reciprocating the love we were showing them, I felt God telling me, now you know how I feel sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and I say, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm good. Yeah. That's helpful. That's a heck of a perspective to receive. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is the way that I am with the Heavenly Father who's washed me clean, loved me, put up with all of my, my junk. That's, uh, that's, a, that's yeah. exactly it. Mm. That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. Um, what pieces of advice or words of wisdom would you give to couples who are contemplating adoption? Um, especially coming up on National Adoption Month here yeah. in November and the timing of this and your anniversary of Gotcha. Um, yeah, I know that there's a lot of people out there that want to open their home, but it's not for everyone, right. is it? And right. so what would you say? Yeah, my, my first advice is <clears throat> don't be intimidated by the process because when you start to look into it, even if you get online and Google it, it's going to be overwhelming, and it's mm-hmm. going to be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's number one. And hand-in-hand hand with that is 
uh, especially for folks listening to this podcast, just put it in God's hands and be open to His will. Um, there are there were moments, many moments, when we thought this makes sense, this is what should happen, and dealing with the the foster care system in particular, things would go in a different direction. That's when we learned we're not in control. God is in control, and we just need to sit back and pray. Um, so don't be intimidated by the process. Um, you know, always leave leave um, you know leave it in God's hands. And then third, um, just keep your eye on the prize and realize that, like all good things that bring you joy and bring you uh, fulfillment, um, there's challenges with that. There's challenges with that. So um, I always say when I talk about adoption, it's the most challenging but the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. So, and we talk about it all the time, we wouldn't change a single thing. Wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I mean, there's not a blueprint for for it. And if there was, people wouldn't do it because it's not always pretty. But um, it is the most rewarding thing. For sure. It's changed our family in just the best ways possible that I couldn't have envisioned ever. I mean, if we tried to plan out our life, we'd still be living in the same house in Daytona. Like, I thought (laughs) I could have lived there forever with just, you know, my four kids and dogs and realize that God's plan is so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you're open to that, it just... It, it really just can change you in such a profound way. Yeah, and I thought, I thought of one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, don't go through it alone. Right. If, you go, if you take this journey, don't go through it alone. Um, we, talk, we were talking earlier about Chris and Michelle Benzinger, who, who, who a lot of people listening to the show may know. They're adoptive parents. And we've had a handful of dinners with them where we've just <laughs> met at a restaurant like, How's it going? You know, and we compare notes and support each other. And there are so many uh, families out there that have adopted. Um, I know just for our local area, there were 550 children adopted out of foster care last year. Oh, wow. Okay. That was the highest number in the state. So there's kind of a movement, and a, um, and a lot of it is through the faith community. Right. There's kind of a movement toward taking steps in faith and, and going down this adoption journey. So there are people out there, there is support out there. So um, definitely don't feel like you're going through it alone. Mm-hmm. And there, there'll be, I'm sorry, no, there'll be people that won't understand what you're doing also and mm-hmm. think you're crazy. So That's be true. prepared for that. I <laughs> mean, true. in your own family, we've experienced, but um, if you, you know, if you're following what God's calling you to do, and you do surround yourself with people that understand, right. it's it, you know, and can support you, it just makes all the difference. There is a need, right? Maybe that's the last question. Is I think some people are like, if I don't adopt, somebody else will be out. There's probably five more couples out there who could adopt these kids. Maybe not. Maybe you know, in your experience and in, in all the work you've done with child welfare and so, and human human service and stuff, like there is a need for couples to step up. Yeah, here's here here's the uh, here's the thing. I don't I don't think people always realize that it's usually older kids mm-hmm. that are most in need of adoption. Right. And so in that sense, finding the right match 
is what is really a big focus now. So, um, and, and yes, I mean, there's, there's tremendous need. Um, the, 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 um, harvest is great, but the laborers are few, you know? Um, so we need people to step forward, but typically, at least in terms of the foster care system, they're kids that are older. So people that are wanting a newborn, um, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a longer wait. It's right. going to be a different path. Um, so there's a lot of great technology now to match. Actually, there's a there's a software program that the state's using now called Family Match. Hmm. It's from the creators of um, some dating one like of the match. first match.com. Match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they wild. created where the, the caseworker and the, and the child free for adoption, they go in and put kind of a profile likes, dislikes, you know, background, stuff like that. And then blindly people interested in adoption, they do a profile. Once they have an approved sto- home study, they do a pro- profile. Then they use analytics to identify across the whole state. And in some cases it's moving outside the state compatibility level. So and it, and it and it's analytics. It's not just you know. Hmm. It produces a list and a score for level of compatibility, and so that gives the the um, that gives the state a starting point to say, look, we've got some good potential matches. So so the technology's come a long way as well. It's actually really 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 impressive. It's that's that's been in motion for probably about six six seven years now. Mm. Wow. And I would just add, don't yeah. don't be just so set on a newborn. You know, it's like obviously that's the ideal for everybody. Is just, but that's what I thought we were going to end up with, and yeah. it didn't. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, it was definitely my wife's experience as an adoption social worker. The sometimes the frustrating conversation of like, you, thank you for being open. To this, please be open to yeah. understand like this adoptive um, child is not going to probably look exactly like you or have the same interests or intellectual capabilities or anything like that so um so yeah you're here to you're here to serve this child rather than you know have your family wishes fulfilled that's uh, exactly right yep Mm. yeah well i just want to leave us with a quote of the day and this is from saint John Henry Newman, and um, this came in my feed a couple weeks ago, and I knew we were going to be doing this podcast, and it it touched me, and it made me think of you two, and so I just kind of want to read this, and it says, realize it, my brethren, everyone who breathes high and low, educated and ignorant, young and old, man and woman, has a mission, has a work. We are not sent into this world for nothing. We are not born at random. God sees every one of us. He creates every soul. He lodges it in the body one by one for a purpose. He needs, he designs to need every one of us. He has an end for each of us. We are all equal in his sight. We are all placed on different ranks and stations, not to get what we can out of them for ourselves, but to labor in them for him. As Christ has his work, we too have ours. As he rejoiced to do his work, we must rejoice in ours also. And I just want to say thank you for all that you do. I told you I was going to cry. Here it comes. <laughs> it's powerful stuff. Um, it is. But I think you two are just very special. And I think if anybody is listening out there and you're considering adoption, 
um, please, please pray on it and think about it. I know they'd be open to talk to you at any time. Um, so just just reach out because there's so many children out there who need a loving home. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's a beautiful St. John Henry Newman. <laughs> you you have a way with words, yeah. my friend. Um, thank you, Sean and Kathy. This is amazing. We, we I just wanted to wrap up Respect Life Month and head into Adoption uh, Awareness Month in November with um, an amazing story, and you guys definitely told it. So thank you for your witness, the way you have with words and explaining things. Um, that's going to be helpful for a lot of people, I hope. Um, and yeah, Catholic Charities. If I'm is somebody you could reach out to directly. In our diocese, Catholic Charities in Northwest Florida, if you have questions about this, again, there are a ton of, as you said, Sean, uh, private agencies, government agencies. There are pathways galore to explore this option, find the right pathway for you guys. So, so yeah, pray about it, guys. Pray about this. Um, all right. Speaking of prayer, Bishop's up next two weeks from now um, with another episode. We also want to invite you to, to listen to the new show that just dropped, uh, Dr. Tom Neal's Sharing the Faith. His debut episode was last week. He'll be coming up with one next Thursday. So, again, you don't have to wait uh, for two weeks for the next uh, content from the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. So stay tuned for both those coming up. Thank you for tuning in today to the Gaudium et Spes podcast. If you would like to know more about our podcast, please visit our website, gaudiumetspes.net, or go to ptdiocese.org and click the button that says podcast. If you listen to the audio version from an app such as Apple Podcast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, be sure to rate, review, and comment. If you watched us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe or leave us a comment there as well. Thank you for joining us.